I really have enjoyed getting to know your pastor and his family. And uh, I know that uh, members of this church and others who've known uh, the Wood family for a long time, you know this already, but uh, these are special people you have here. Uh, God has blessed you with a good pastor and a good pastor's wife and good pastor's kids. And that, that I tell you, that's a rare combination these days. And I say that a little bit uh, joking, but really not joking much at all. Um, God's blessed you here. And God's blessed this church. Um, just hearing the, the testimony of the story of how God provided this building, these grounds uh, for your church. Uh, we serve a big God. And listen, you know what? This is just the tip of the iceberg of what He can do. And uh, I've just, uh, really, I just really enjoy being around your preacher. And uh, I, uh, we, we took a little trip today around Philadelphia. I'm having a little hard time getting this thing just right. There we go, just stuffing in the pocket. Uh, we took a little trip around Philadelphia. I'm from Michigan originally. <clears throat> My dad was a farmer growing up. Uh, I grew up in cornfields, and this is a lot different than cornfields um, here. But you know what? Um, since we walked in the door, it just felt like we were among friends and family. And that's because of the work of the Lord. Amen. That's just because of the love of Christ. And um, so we were driving around today seeing some of Brother Peterman's old haunts. Amen. And uh, Brother Peterman has become a dear friend to me, to my family. And I love I loved these folks. And so it was good to be able to see some of the, uh, some of the places. He showed me some of the places that, that he lived and, and uh, the church he pastored and all these different things. And then we went and had pizza, and uh, that was a blessing, amen. That was a real blessing. That was really good. And uh, <clears throat> it was just, I mean, the Lord just smiled on us all day long. We were going to this, going to this pizza place right downtown Philly somewhere. I don't know, what, what neighborhood would that be? That was downtown, wasn't it? That was where all the tall buildings were. So <clears throat> um, he said, the uh, preacher said, well, I'll drop you off at the door, and then I'll drive around, find a parking spot, and we'll all, and he said, and then I'll join you, and Brother Peterman said, oh, he said, just, just park, and we'll just all, we'll just all walk with you, and so we pulled up in front of the, front of the pizza shop, and uh, Brother Pete's pizza shop, amen, and they uh, pulled up in front of the shop, and just as we pulled up, somebody was backing out a spot right in front of it, and uh, even though I'm not from the city, I knew that was a minor miracle right there. <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> so we, we pulled in the spot. Then the guy in front of us, he was getting ready to leave. And, uh, and he handed us, uh, he said, I paid this parking for you. So just a stranger paid our parking, went in. The pizzas were paid for. I said, man, I can get used to this. <laughs> it's great. The city of brotherly love is opening its arms to me. And... Uh, and then someone cussed us out. So, <laughs> now that happened earlier in the week, um, but it has been—it's been great to be here. And uh, we were talking last night, and I know you're—you know—you want to get on with the service. I got a short message tonight, but uh, we were talking last night at fellowship, and uh, 
just talking about the different meetings that uh, the pastor's been to with Brother Peterman, and and he was telling me about this one meeting. He said, yeah, he said, this, this guy was preaching. He said, he's a really good preacher. He said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have him come preach at our church. And uh, I said, what's his name? He said, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I asked him, I said, I said, Pastor, are you going to forget my name after I leave? And he said, probably. And you know what? That didn't offend me. That blessed me. And I'll tell you why. Because you got a pastor that isn't caught up on personalities and who this preacher is and who that preacher is. He's just here to serve God. Amen. And anyone who wants to serve God and love God, um, that's, uh, that's who he appreciates. And I appreciate that. Amen. Because you know what? The grand scheme of things, the tale that is told of our lives, our name means nothing. His name means everything. Amen. Amen? And I appreciate it. I just enjoy, I've really enjoyed spending time with you, preacher. Really have. And I hope that, um, hope that we can become lifelong friends. I really hope so. And um, I'll try not to mess it up. Amen. <laughs> Luke chapter 1. If you'll stand with me <clears throat> after you find your place. Luke chapter 1. And we'll read from this passage of Scripture. It has been a joy to get to know uh, you folks here, and uh, to worship with you. We've had some good times this week, just worshiping the Lord, enjoying His presence and His power, and He's manifested Himself here among us, and I believe He's done work in hearts this week. I know He's worked in my heart, and, uh, and I thank Him for that. So Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number... 26. Now, I understand it's not December. I understand it's March. And uh, we're going to read a little bit about what we would call the Christmas story. Uh, but I think, I think it's okay to read out of here and preach out of here even though it's not December. Amen? And uh, I want to give you what God's put on my heart tonight. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'll read aloud. You follow along silently. The Bible says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him... She was, say that next word with me, troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great." And shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. I want to preach this evening, and I'll explain in just a moment what I mean by the title. But I want to preach this evening on when God interrupts your life. When God interrupts your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you, God, for your grace upon us. Lord, just us being in this place tonight is a testament to your grace and mercy. You gave us the health and strength to be here. And Lord, uh, we want to we utilize this time. We want to make the most of this time that we have together. And Father, this time has been set aside not to hear from Mark Thren or from Phil Wood or from anyone else. It's been set aside to hear from you, the God of heaven. And Lord, I pray that you would brood over us tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts tonight. I pray that as the Word of God goes forth, that it would go forth in power, that the power of your Spirit would accompany the Word of God, and Lord, that it would make a real lasting change in our hearts and minds tonight and in our lives. Father, thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the salvation we have through Him. And Lord, I pray tonight if there's someone here who is unsaved, or unsure of their salvation, Lord, that they would get that settled before they leave the building tonight. God, draw them by your Spirit, and may they trust Christ as their own personal Savior tonight. Now, God, I pray also for the saved that are here. Lord, please speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us and reveal what you want to do in our lives tonight to help us to continue to serve God and live for you. Now, Lord, bless us tonight. We commit this time to you. Please, Father, fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory, and we'll be careful to give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This, of course, is one of the most uh, well-known Bible stories in all of history. Really, it's one of the most well-known stories in, in the history of mankind. Uh, the story of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And uh, some have taken this passage and made it what it is not. Amen. Uh, this, uh, this passage does not elevate Mary to the status of a co-regent in heaven. Uh, Mary is not your Savior uh, tonight. Jesus is the only Savior. But Mary was highly favored of God. Mary was very special. But I want you to think about this. Mary didn't know or didn't think that she was very special. She was just a young girl. Uh, she was espoused to a man to be married to him. And Mary and Joseph, they had plans just like any young couple would have. Uh, they had goals. They had dreams. And let me tell you this. None of this included what, just, what we just read about. Mary didn't grow up all her life knowing one day the Lord's going to appear to me and he's going to, uh, uh, he's going to call upon me to be the mother of his son Jesus. She wasn't looking forward to the day that the Holy Ghost would overshadow her. She had no idea it was going to happen. She did have hopes and goals and dreams, as did Joseph. 
But one day, as we've just read about, one day her world was completely turned upside down. Mary would never be the same after this day. This one encounter would completely change her future. And can I say this uh, this evening? God interrupted her life. He interrupted her life. She was not looking forward to this. She had goals and hopes and dreams just like any young, young lady would have. And God all of a sudden one day shows up and completely interrupts her plans. Now, she was faced with a decision. She was faced with a choice. And what really is has really arrested my attention as I've thought about this is I'm really impressed with her reaction. Now, at first, the Bible says in verse 29, she was troubled at his saying because she didn't understand what was going on. I love what the Word of God says in verse 29. She cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. It's a Painting a picture for us, if you will. She's casting like a fisherman would cast. Searching for something that would make sense. What, why would an angel appear to me? Why would the angel tell me I'm highly favored? She didn't understand and so she was troubled. Have you ever been there? You just didn't understand what God was doing. You didn't understand what God was asking of you. You didn't understand why you were singled out for something special. And so because you don't understand, you're troubled. But Mary continued to listen to the angel of the Lord and he continued to further lay out his plan and he told her what God had in store for her. And he said, uh, you're going to conceive and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus because you found favor with God. Then Mary's response in verse 34 she said unto the angel, how shall this be, so, seeing I know not a man? You know what she's saying? I, number one, this was unexpected, but number two, this was impossible. What you're describing to me, angel of the Lord, is not possible. The Bible says Mary was a virgin, and so she knew not a man. She said, it's not possible for me to have a son. How, how shall this be? And he informs her that this is what God is going to do in her life is going to be not in the natural realm, but it's going to be in the supernatural realm. What God is going to do in her life is going to take her beyond the parameters of what physically is possible. And it's going to take her beyond into an area that God alone can operate in. Now look at her response after it's explained to her. Look in verse 38. The angel makes this declaration in verse 37. Back up to 37. He says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. That's what he's saying. The point he's trying to get across in all of this is that God has something special planned for you, Mary, and though you can't see how it's going to work, and though you could never work it out the way it's going to work out, God can. Amen. 
With God, nothing shall be impossible. Now watch Mary's response in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Here's Mary's response. The angel has just appeared to her and turned her world upside down. And this is what Mary says. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. You know what she said? Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. And if this is the course that you want me to take in my life, be it unto me according to thy word. What a tremendous response. They say, well, this was a special thing that Mary was going to encounter that was going to take place in Mary's life. Oh, it was special. For sure. She was highly favored of God. But do you understand what Mary was about to go through for the rest of her life? The rest of her life, people are going to look at Mary and they're going to whisper. And if Mary said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, this child that I'm bearing, this is of the Holy Ghost. How many people you think are going to believe that? Not even Joseph believes it at first. But then the angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him, we read about it in Matthew chapter 1, fills him in on the details. And Joseph, listen, when he first heard that Mary was with child, the Bible says he was, he was a just man. He was willing, uh, uh, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. In other words, he was going to break off the engagement. Come on, that's understandable, is it not? Looking at it from a human standpoint, looking at it from what we would normally think was taking place, Joseph is thinking, wait a minute, Mary's been unfaithful to me. I don't think there's a woman I can trust the rest of my life. And so in his mind, he's not wanting to hurt her, but he thinks the best thing to do is just put her away privately, move on with his life. But the Bible says, while he thought on these things. And I like that. That means Joseph was not a man given to rash judgment and rash actions. He was a thoughtful man. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. He said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph believes God, takes him at his word, takes Mary at her word, and now they're moving forward in this relationship. They're going to be married. But there's not one person in their family or in their community or in their social realm that believes what, what's taking place. As a matter of fact, you see it down through Jesus' life. The, the Pharisees are going to call him a son of fornication. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. See, it's not always easy to do the will of God. It's not always easy to say, Lord, here I, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm willing. It's not always easy. Matter of fact, most times it's not easy. But it's always right. And it's always rewarded. 
God has interrupted Joseph and Mary's lives. And you know what they've said, Lord? Be it unto me according to thy word. Now watch what, I want you to see what, what, what resulted from their lives being interrupted by the Lord. You say, well, they were interrupted by the Lord's plan for their lives. And yes, they were. And you see, uh, in, in back in Luke chapter 1, when the angel was speaking to Mary, he said in verse 36, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And so as a, as a sign to Mary that God was in fact going to follow through on His word to her, He gave to her the evidence of her cousin Elizabeth being with child. Now Elizabeth was the wife of Zacharias. He was a priest. And uh, they had uh, wanted children all their married lives and they had not been able to have children until God blessed them and God appeared to Zacharias while he was ministering to the Lord in the temple. He appeared to him and he gave him the promise of their own son, a man by the name of John, who would become known as John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist now is, uh, is uh, six months in his mother's womb, Elizabeth. And, <clears throat> and look down in verse number 39. Look what it says here. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now somehow, some way, God... Uh, revealed to Elizabeth what was going on in Mary's life. And God used Elizabeth's word to once again confirm what He was doing in Mary's life. And you read the verses following here. Elizabeth is praising the Lord. And, and, and uh, she gets done praising the Lord where we stopped reading. Mary picks it up and she starts praising the Lord. Now here's what's interesting to me about this. Elizabeth who was, uh, the Bible says, she, she conceived in her old age. She is having the reproach of being barren removed from her. In those days, if a woman did not conceive, did not have children, it was a reproach upon her. Culturally, it was not acceptable. They thought, God must be angry with this woman, and that's why she hasn't brought forth a child. And so Elizabeth is having this reproach lifted from her after all these years of bearing a reproach. And she's praising God. But here's Mary over here. 
Mary is about to take on a reproach. She's about to bear a child without a husband. So Elizabeth is praising the Lord because her reproach is being removed. Mary is praising the Lord even though she's bearing a reproach. Listen, He's worthy regardless of our circumstance. He's worthy to be praised. As a matter of fact, Mary is probably praising the Lord more than she would have had she not borne this reproach. Say, how? How could she do this? Because she knew that uh, her life was in God's hands and she knew that she was in the will of God. It didn't matter that people didn't understand. It didn't matter that people whispered behind her back. None of that mattered as long as God was pleased with her. You know what we need in these days? We need Christians who will stop caring about what the world thinks and what the family thinks and what the the, the society thinks and what our own flesh thinks and just serve God and just live in God's will and who cares what people say. We need a revival of a commitment to the will of God in our lives. Too many of us, our Christianity is dictated us by the whims of a godless society. By the feelings of our own flesh. By the expectations of family. By the criticisms of so-called Christians. Well, you can be a Christian and not be a fanatic. You know what my Savior did for me? He hung in open shame and nakedness on a cross and he received my punishment on that cross and he died for my sins and he bore that shame so that I could be free. And there is no sacrifice too great to make for our Savior in return. He asked for so little in comparison to what he's given. He's worthy. Mary says, I'm, Elizabeth says, I'm, I'm not bearing a reproach anymore. Praise the Lord. Mary says, I'm bearing a reproach. Praise the Lord. I like that. I like that. We need to get back to, to Christianity that isn't dictated by circumstance. God is good all the time. He's never done one thing wrong. He's never never missed the mark even by an inch. He's always been right on target. He's always been right on time. He's always good. He's always great. He's always worthy of our praise and our obedience and our submission. I'm about to get stirred up tonight. Now watch this. And we've... We've alluded to it already, but I want to just kind of settle in for just a few minutes. Mary, her life was interrupted by God, and it was interrupted with a reproach. 
with a reproach. What was the reproach? The reproach was bearing Christ. The reproach was her bearing Christ in her body. Now, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. And I want us to see how this could apply to us. In Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, you could sum it up with one word, better. It gives all the Old Testament sacrificial system, the priestly system, and all of those things. And throughout the book, it just shows how Jesus is better. He's better than Aaron. He's better than Moses. He's better than the Old Testament sacrifices. He's better than the old tabernacle. He's better than the old temple. He's better than all of it. You say, how could he be better? Because he's the fulfillment of all of it. He's better, 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 better. You see that all through. And then you come down to chapter 13, and he's summing it all up. This book has been written to Hebrew believers who have really faced opposition because of their faith. And watch what he says to them. He's talking about the altar in verse 10. And he talks about the sacrifices in verse 11. And look at, let's look at verse 11. He says, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, watch this, are burned without the camp. So in their sacrificial system, they would bring that sacrifice in, and then they would take that carcass and take it outside the camp, and they would burn it. They would take it outside of the camp. Speaking of, they didn't want it in the camp any longer. He'd be taken outside of the camp. Look at verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. We talked a little bit about Calvary last night. What we didn't talk about is how Calvary is outside of the gate of the old city of Jerusalem. And that's where Christ died. He suffered outside the gate. Now look at verse 13. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Know what he's saying? If they put Christ outside of the camp, let's not be afraid to go to Christ outside of the camp. Look at the last three words of the verse. Bearing his reproach. You know what I've noticed about many Places that call themselves churches these days, they don't want to have anything to do with a reproach. They don't want to be different. They don't want to seem to be odd. They just want to fit in with the society. And so they make the music like the world's music. And they dress like the world. And they talk like the world. And they go to the same movies. Amen. I'm going to keep going until I hit yours. Amen? Amen. And they smoke with the world, and they drink with the world, and they fornicate with the world. 
Because they don't want to be any different from the world. Why? Because it's a reproach. They're afraid of the opinion of the world. Let me tell you something, Christian. As long as you're afraid of what the world thinks, you'll never shine for Jesus. You know what you need to do? You need to take that cross, pick up your cross, and follow your Savior outside the camp. Bear that reproach for Christ. Set the, listen, set on that hill like a light to the city and let your light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them say what they will. Stand for Christ and watch God bless your life. Bear His reproach. Mary bore His reproach in her own body. You know what the Apostle Paul said? I bear the marks of Christ in my own body. What he went through, the suffering and the persecution he went through, he went through gladly for his Savior. A Christianity that costs you nothing is not Christianity at all. You say, preacher, don't preach this. Nobody want to be a Christian. We don't become a Christian because it's comfortable or convenient. We do so because He died for us. We do so because He's worthy. He's worthy. Now let me, let me encourage you. We sang about the mansion over the hilltop tonight. It gets better. It gets way better. As a matter of fact, it's going to get so good that all the trials and all the persecution and all the tribulation, they won't even be a memory anymore. We won't even think about them. We won't even remember the hardships. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll just be in in the presence of Christ for all eternity. It's going to be so good. You won't even think about the trouble you had. Just for a short time, for a short time, God calls upon us to bear His reproach. Just a short time. And he promises as a result an eternal blessing upon us. Let me say this and I'll be done tonight. God interrupted Mary's life with Jesus. And that's what He wants to interrupt your life with. That's who he wants to interrupt your life with. Jesus. Jesus. Not religion. Not conformity to a set of rules. Not even to a church. To Jesus. He wants to interrupt your life with Jesus. And what he wants to do in your life is what he did in Mary's life. He wants to do something supernatural. Now, you know what? Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you think, well, there's nothing special about me. That's what Mary thought. Good Lord, why would you come to me? Why would you choose me? Why would you want to do something special with me? I'm nobody. That's who he's looking for. He's looking for nobodies. Those who are righteous in their own eyes, the Lord said, boy, I can't do anything with them. But those of us who will humble ourselves, 
There's great grace awaiting us. He wants to do something supernatural in your life. You say, preacher, you don't know me. You, you don't know anything about me. I don't have to know you. I don't have to know anything about you. This one thing I do know, you're created in the image of God. He's created you for something bigger and better than what you and I can do. He's built you to bear Jesus. He has built you so that Jesus can take up residence in your life and do with your life what you could not do with it yourself. How many tonight would say, Lord, I'm not much, but here I am. Do something supernatural in me and through me that will benefit everyone around me. Listen tonight. What Mary allowed God to do in her life changed your eternity. Changed my eternity. Because Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Do we have any Marys here tonight? Do we have any Josephs that'll just say, Lord, you can interrupt my life. Come on, my plans, they stink anyways. Most of my plans, they just, they just crash and burn. And I'm glad when God picks up the broken pieces and says, I've got a plan for your life. I've got something I want to do that'll take you beyond your wildest dreams where you can affect an entire world. You say, well, I couldn't do that. I know you can't, but he can. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, help us tonight. Help us to believe. Help us to believe in the impossible. That little is much when God is in it. And God, help us just to bring our unworthy vessels to you and offer them up. That you would do something supernatural in us. God, I know you're trying to interrupt someone's life tonight. Someone is on the bubble. They're on the fence. They're trying to keep one foot in the world and one in the, in the church. Trying to appease the world and still be okay with you. And God, I pray. I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would drive home this truth tonight to their hearts, that you want to do something supernatural in them, that they would gladly take up their cross, follow their Savior outside the gate, bearing his reproach, knowing that there's a day, there's a day when it's going to be worth it all. God, do your work. Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight, and they don't even know what, a supernatural life is. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. The Holy Spirit calling them tonight. God, I pray that they realize they're sinners, that they need a Savior. That they'd humbly bow before you tonight, confessing their sin and trusting what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross to save their soul. Lord, please do a great work in us. 
that you might be able to do a great work through us. God, help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. Many have come to the altar already. I invite you to come. Don't look at your own inabilities tonight. Look at what Christ can do, what God can do. He can do something supernatural if you let Him. If you're down here on the altar tonight and you want someone to pray with you, just slip your hand up. Somebody come and pray with you. In the, in the auditorium, need someone to pray with you? Just look up here. We want to help you. Be obedient to God's Spirit. Listen, He can, he can do in you what you can't do for yourself. You're struggling with some sin, can't get victory over it. I tell you something, you will never get victory over it. But He can give you the victory over it. He can do that. He's supernatural. He's got all power. All power is given unto Him. obedient to God's spirit Christians need to pray maybe some lost souls in here tonight pray pray for them